This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Gordon Mackenzie. Scaramouche, a romance of the French Revolution, by Raphael Sabatini. Book Three, Chapter Six. Politicians. One morning in August, the academy in the Rue de Hussard was invaded by Le Chapelier, accompanied by a man of remarkable appearance, whose Herculean stature and disfigured countenance seemed vaguely familiar to André Louis. He was a man of little, if anything, over thirty, with small, bright eyes buried in an enormous face. His cheekbones were prominent, his nose awry, as if it had been broken by a blow, and his mouth was rendered almost shapeless by the scars of another injury. A bull had horned him in the face when he was but a lad. As if that were not enough to render his appearance terrible, his cheeks were deeply pockmarked. He was dressed untidily in a long scarlet coat that descended almost to his ankles. Soiled buckskin breeches and boots with reversed tops. His shirt, none too clean, was open at the throat, the collar hanging limply over an unknotted cravat, displaying fully the muscular neck that rose like a pillar from his massive shoulders. He swung a cane that was almost a club in his left hand, and there was a cockade in his biscuit-colored conical hat. He carried himself with an aggressive, masterful air, that great head of his thrown back as if he were eternally at defiance. Le Chapelier, whose manner was very grave, named him to André Louis. This is Monsieur Danton, president of the Cordeliers, of whom you will have heard. Of course André Louis had heard of him, who had not by then. Looking at him now with interest, André Louis wondered how it came that all, or nearly all the leading innovators, were pockmarked. Mirabeau, the journalist Desmoulins, the philanthropist Marat, Robespierre, the little lawyer from Arras, this formidable fellow Danton, and several others he could call to mind all bore upon them the scars of smallpox. Almost he began to wonder was there any connection between the two. Did an attack of smallpox produce certain moral results which found expression in this way? He dismissed the idle speculation, or rather it was shattered by the startling thunder of Danton's voice. This, expletive deleted, Chapelier has told me of you. He says that you are a patriotic, expletive deleted. More than by the tone was André Louis startled by the obscenities with which the Colossus did not hesitate to interlard his first speech to a total stranger. He laughed outright. There was nothing else to do. If he has told you that, he has told you more than the truth. I am a patriot. 
the rest my modesty compels me to disavow. "'You are a joker, too, it seems,' roared the other. But he laughed nevertheless, and the volume of it shook the windows. "'There's no offence in me. I am like that.' "'What a pity,' said André Louis. It disconcerted the king of the markets. "'Eh? What's this, Chapelier? Does he give himself airs, your friend here?' The spruce Breton, a very petite maître in appearance by contrast with his companion, but nevertheless of a downright manner quite equal to Danton's in brutality, though dispensing with the emphasis of foulness, shrugged as he answered him. "'It is merely that he doesn't like your manners, which is not at all surprising. They are execrable.' "'Ah, bah! You are all like that, you Bretons. Let's come to business.' You'll have heard what took place in the assembly yesterday. You haven't? My God, where do you live? Have you heard that this scoundrel who calls himself King of France gave passage across French soil the other day to Austrian troops going to crush those who fight for liberty in Belgium? Have you heard that by any chance? Yes, said André Louis, coldly, masking his irritation before the other's hectoring manner. I have heard that. Oh, and what do you think of it? Arms akimbo, the colossus towered above him. André Louis turned aside to Le Chapelier. I don't think I understand. Have you brought this gentleman here to examine my conscience? Name of name! He's prickly as a porcupine! Danton protested. No, no, Le Chapelier was conciliatory, seeking to provide an antidote to the irritant administered by his companion. We require your help, André. Danton here thinks that you are the very man for us. Listen now. That's it, you tell him, Danton agreed. You both talk the same mincing sort of French. He'll probably understand you. Le Chapelier went on without heeding the interruption. This violation by the king of the obvious rights of a country engaged in framing a constitution that shall make it free has shattered every philanthropic illusion we still cherished. There are those who go so far as to proclaim the king the vowed enemy of France, but that, of course, is excessive. Who says so? blazed Danton, and swore horribly by way of conveying his total disagreement. Le Chapelier waved him into silence and proceeded. Anyhow, the matter has been more than enough, added to all the rest, to set us by the ears again in the assembly. It is open war between the third estate and the privileged. Was it ever anything else? Perhaps not, but it has assumed a new character, You'll have heard of the duel between Lameth and the Duc de Castries. A trifling affair. In its results, but it might have been far other. Mirabeau is challenged and insulted now at every sitting. But he goes his way cold-bloodedly wise. Others are not so circumspect. They meet insult with insult, blow with blow, and blood is being shed in private duels. 
the thing is reduced by these swordsmen of the nobility to a system. André Louis nodded. He was thinking of Philippe de Villemarin. Yes, he said. It is an old trick of theirs. It is so simple and direct, like themselves. I wonder only that they didn't hit upon this system sooner. In the early days of the States General, at Versailles, it might have had a better effect. Now it comes a little late. But they mean to make up for lost time, sacred name, cried Danton. Challenges are flying right and left between these bully swordsmen, these spadassinicides, and poor devils of the robe who have never learnt to fence with anything but a quill. It's just murder. Yet if I were to go amongst Monsieur le Noble and crunch an adult head or two with a stick of mine, snap a few aristocratic necks between these fingers which the good God has given me for the purpose, the law would send me to atone upon the gallows. This in a land that is striving after liberty. Why, Dieu, madame! I am not even allowed to keep my hat on in the theatre, but they... these... Expletive deleted. He is right, said Le Chapelier. The thing has become unendurable, insufferable. Two days ago, Monsieur d'Ambly threatened Mirabeau with his cane before the whole assembly. Yesterday, Monsieur de Faucigny leapt up and harangued his order by inviting murder. "'Why don't we fall on these scoundrels sword in hand?' he asked. "'Those were his very words. Why don't we fall on these scoundrels sword in hand?' "'It is so much simpler than law-making,' said André Louis. Lagrand, the deputy from Ancenis in the Loire, said something that we did not hear in answer. As he was leaving the manege, one of these bullies grossly insulted him. Legrand no more than used his elbow to push past when the fellow cried out that he had been struck and issued his challenge. They fought this morning early in the Champs-Élysées, and Legrand was killed run through the stomach deliberately by a man who fought like a fencing-master. And poor Legrand did not even own a sword. He had to borrow one to go to the assignation. André Louis, his mind ever on Villemorin, whose case was here repeated even to the details, was swept by a gust of passion. He clenched his hands and his jaws set. Danton's little eyes observed him keenly. Well, and what do you think of that? Noblesse oblige, eh? The thing is, we must oblige them too, these, expletive deleted. We must pay them back in the same coin, meet them with the same weapons, abolish them, tumble these assassinatures into the abyss of nothingness by the same means. But how? How? Name of God! Haven't I said it? This is where we require your help, Le Chapelier put in. There must be men of patriotic feeling among the more advanced of your pupils. 
Monsieur Danton's idea is that a little band of these, say a half-dozen, with yourself at their head, might read these bullies a sharp lesson. André-Louis frowned. And how precisely had Monsieur Danton thought that this might be done? Monsieur Danton spoke for himself vehemently. Why thus? We post you in the manege at the hour when the assembly is rising. We point out the six leading phlebotomists and let you loose to insult them before they have time to insult any of the representatives. Then, tomorrow morning, six phlebotomists, themselves phlebotomized secundum artem. That will give the others something to think about. It will give them a great deal to think about by... Expletive deleted. If necessary, the dose may be repeated to ensure a cure. If you kill the... Expletive deleted. So much the better. He paused, his sallow face flushed with the enthusiasm of his idea. André-Louis stared at him inscrutably. Well... What do you say to that? That it is most ingenious. And André-Louis turned aside to look out of the window. And is that all you think of it? I will not tell you what else I think of it, because you probably would not understand. For you, Monsieur Danton, there is at least this excuse that you did not know me. But you, Isaac, to bring this gentlemen here with such a proposal. Le Chapelier was overwhelmed in confusion. I confess I hesitated, he apologized. But Monsieur Danton would not take my word for it that the proposal might not be to your taste. I would not! Danton broke in, bellowing. He swung upon Le Chapelier, brandishing his great arms. You told me that monsieur was a patriot. Patriotism knows no scruples. You call this mincing, dancing master a patriot? Would you, monsieur, out of patriotism, consent to become an assassin? Of course I would. Haven't I told you so? Haven't I told you that I would gladly go among them with my club? and crack them like so many fleas. Why not, then? Why not? Because I should get myself hanged. Haven't I said so? But what of that, being a patriot? Why not, like another Curtius, jump into the gulf, since you believe that your country would benefit by your death? Monsieur Danton showed signs of exasperation. Because my country will benefit more by my life. Permit me, monsieur, to suffer from a similar vanity. You? But where would be the danger to you? You would do your work under the cloak of dueling, as they do. Have you reflected, monsieur, that the law will hardly regard a fencing-master who kills his opponent as an ordinary combatant? particularly if it can be shown that the fencing-master himself provoked the attack. So, name of name, 
Monsieur Danton blew out his cheeks and delivered himself with withering scorn. It comes to this, then. You are afraid. You may think so if you choose. That I am afraid to do slyly and treacherously that which a thrasonical patriot like yourself is afraid of doing frankly and openly. I have other reasons, but that one should suffice you. Danton gasped. Then he swore more amazingly and variedly than ever. By expletive deleted. You are right, he admitted, to André Louis' amazement. You are right, and I am wrong. I am as bad a patriot as you are, and I am a coward as well. And he invoked the whole pantheon to witness his self-denunciation. Only, you see, I count for something, and if they take me and hang me, why, there it is. Monsieur, we must find some other way. Forgive the intrusion. Adieu! He held out his enormous hand. Le Chapelier stood hesitating, crestfallen. You understand, André. I am sorry that... Say no more, please. Come and see me soon again. I would press you to remain, but it is striking nine, and the first of my pupils is about to arrive. Nor would I permit it, said Danton. Between us... We must resolve the riddle of how to extinguish Monsieur de la Tour d'Azir and his friends. Who? Sharp as a pistol shot came that question as Danton was turning away. The tone of it brought him up short. He turned again, Le Chapelier with him. I said, Monsieur de la Tour d'Azir. What has he to do with the proposal you were making me? He? Why, he is the phlebotomist-in-chief. And Le Chapelier added, It is he who killed Legrand. Not a friend of yours, is he? wondered Danton. And it is Le Tour d'Azir you desire me to kill, asked André Louis very slowly, after the manner of one whose thoughts are meanwhile pondering the subject. That's it, said Danton. And not a job for a prentice hand, I can assure you. Ah, but this alters things, said André Louis, thinking aloud. It offers a great temptation. Why, then? The Colossus took a step towards him again. Wait, he put up his hand. Then, with chin sunk on his breast, he paced away to the window, musing. Le Chapelier and Danton exchanged glances, then watched him, waiting, what time he considered. At first he almost wondered why he should not, of his own accord, have decided upon some such course as this to settle that long-standing account of Monsieur de la Tour d'Azir. What was the use of this great skill in fence that he had come to acquire, unless he could turn it to account to avenge Villemorin, and to make Aline safe from the lure of her own ambition. It would be an easy thing to seek out La Tour d'Azir, put a mortal affront upon him, and thus bring him to the point. 
Today this would be murder, murder as treacherous as that which La Tour d'Azir had done upon Philippe de Villemorin. For today the old positions were reversed, and it was André Louis who might go to such an assignation without a doubt of the issue. It was a moral obstacle of which he made short work. But there remained the legal obstacle he had expounded to Danton. There was still a law in France, the same law which he had found it impossible to move against La Tour d'Azir, but which would move briskly enough against himself in like case. And then, suddenly, as if by inspiration, he saw the way, a way which, if adopted, would probably bring La Tour d'Azir to a poetic justice, bring him, insolent, confident, to thrust himself upon André Louis' sword, with all the odium of provocation on his own side. He turned to them again, and they saw that he was very pale, that his great dark eyes glowed oddly. There will probably be some difficulty in finding a suppliant for this poor Lagrand, he said. Our fellow countrymen will be none so eager to offer themselves to the swords of privilege. True enough, said Le Chapelier gloomily, and then as if suddenly leaping to the thing in André Louis' mind, André, he cried, would you? It is what I was considering. It would give me a legitimate place in the assembly. If your tour d'Azirs choose to seek me out then, why, their blood will be upon their own heads. I shall certainly do nothing to discourage them. He smiled curiously. I am just a rascal who tries to be honest. Scaramouche always, in fact. A creature of sophistries. Do you think that Anceny would have me for its representative? Will it have Omnes Omnibus for its representative? Le Chapelier was laughing, his countenance eager. Anceny will be convulsed with pride. It is not Rennes or Nantes, as it might have been had you wished it, but it gives you a voice for Brittany. I should have to go to Anceny. No need at all. A letter from me to the municipality, and the municipality will confirm you at once. No need to move from here. In a fortnight at most the thing can be accomplished. It is settled then. André Louis considered yet a moment. There was his academy. But he could make arrangements with Leduc and Galoche to carry it on for him whilst himself directing and advising. Leduc, after all, was become a thoroughly efficient master, and he was a trustworthy fellow. At need, a third assistant could be engaged. "'Be it so,' he said at last. Le Chapelier clasped hands with him, and became congratulatorily voluble, until interrupted by the red-coated giant at the door. "'What exactly does it mean to our business, anyway?' he asked. Does it mean that when you are a representative you will not scruple to skewer Monsieur le Marquis? 
if Monsieur le Marquis should offer himself to be skewered, as he no doubt will. I perceive the distinction, said Monsieur Danton, and sneered. You've an ingenious mind. He turned to Le Chapelier. What did you say he was, to begin with? A lawyer, wasn't it? Yes, I was a lawyer, and afterwards a mountebank. And this is the result. As you say. And do you know that we are, after all, not so dissimilar, you and I? What? Once, like you, I went about inciting other people to go and kill the man I wanted dead. You'll say I was a coward, of course. Le Chapelier prepared to slip between them as the clouds gathered on the giant's brow. Then these were dispelled again, and the great laugh vibrated through the long room. You've touched me for the second time, and in the same place. Oh, you can fence, my lad. We should be friends. Rue de Cordeliers is my address. Any expletive deleted. Scoundrel will tell you where Danton lodges. Desmoulins lives underneath. Come and visit us one evening. There's always a bottle for a friend. End of Book Three, Chapter Six.